0: The Steelers footballing back. What's up, Steelers fans? I'm Daniel J, your Steel Curtain Network host. This is State of the Steelers, where today I think I smell an upset. And no, I'm not talking about the upset that happened live between the Lions and the Chiefs, where Lions beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead 21 to 20. Not that not that upset. This is an upset that is still brewing. I think it's gonna happen this this week on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern in Akershore Stadium. The Pittsburgh Steelers will be taking on the San Francisco 49ers in a game that you know Steelers are two point dogs in this game home dogs at that but it's all right it's all right you know i understand why the pittsburgh steelers are two-point home dogs you know you have one of the nfc representatives in the nfc championship of last year and hadn't had brock purdy not gotten hurt some would say that he would possibly have uh you know, the 49ers possibly could have won that game. Right. You know, they end up losing both of their QBs and end up having to go to, you know, Christian McCaffrey at a certain point, having to throw uh, passes. It, it just didn't look good. The Eagles end up mating over the San Francisco 49ers that day and, and went on to go be the representative for the NBA. fast forward six months. And now you have a healthy Brock Purdy coming into Accra Stadium to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers and Kenny Pickett. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. I think this is going to be a good game to watch. You know, if you're a Steelers fan, I think you're going to be very well pleased about this game. Let's get into it. So, let's start off by talking about a couple of storylines that are going on. First and foremost, a big one Nick Bosa is now the highest paid, you know, edge in the NFL. He signed a mega deal this past Wednesday. I believe it's like $217 million or something like that. And the Steelers knew he was going to play. They had been preparing for him to play. They've been saying it this entire time. But is is Bosa going to be Bosa? Mike Tomlin said that they are kind of comparing the situation to like when, you know, TJ Watt signed his contract. And in Tomlin's words in the 11th hour, you know, they seem that the type of player that Bosa is. And he's probably going to be able to step in. And is there going to be a drop off possibly? But is it going to be a major drop off? Dowdy, you know, he's a uh, high performance athlete, trains on his own very well. So I expect him to play maybe not what you would usually see him play, right? I don't think he's going to play the same amount of snaps. I think he's going to be on a snap count. But I don't anticipate when he is out on the field that the play is going to drop off significantly. I think he's going to be a dominant force still. He's the reigning defensive player of the year. Uh, Probably should be an asterisk there because, you know, TJ Watt didn't really play the whole year. And and when he did play, he really wasn't healthy or himself. But I'll digress. Now, who's going up against is kind of a bit of a surprise as well. A lot of folks would have thought that, you know, the left tackle would have been Browns by this point going into training camp or, you know, just after the draft. As the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted a left tackle moving up to number 14 in the first round, trading away draft capital that they would need to get back, but trading away draft capital for this first round left tackle that you expect to be playing right away. You know, the Steelers weren't going to give it to him. They were going to make him earn it. And Dan Moore took on the challenge Saw that, you know, Goes into training camp and he changes his body completely. Gained weight, but looks thinner. So meaning that he put on some muscle, right? And he looks phenomenal. Looks great. Looks like he's doing well. He held off the rookie. And I think that a certain time, and it may not be this year, if everybody stays healthy, but I think there will be a certain time where Broderick Jones does step in and replaces Dan Moore because I think that the ceiling for Broderick Jones is is much higher. Now, if Broderick Jones and Dan Moore are playing at a similar level, right, I think you have to play the Dan Moore bill until Broderick surpasses him. And the reason being is if their talent and their Ability are about the same right now. You have more experience with Dan Moore. You you don't have that with Broderick Jones. So there's going to be some things that will end up happening where the defenses are going to do something that he's probably never seen before. You know, there's less of a likelihood of that happening. You know, with with Dan Moore, he's he's seen more. He's been attacked. He's been that you know rookie left tackle out of the fourth round that defense is So with that said, you know, it, it, it's a good situation to have. It's a good problem to have, right? Have two possible and capable left, right? But this gives Broderick Jones the opportunity to learn from Dan Moore and what he has had to you know, take into him, you know, two seasons to learn or, or experience to learn through. And then he also has the ability to watch game tape and be a part of NFL breakdowns of the place and what to expect. You know, Dan Morrising seeing and he can go in there and ask him, hey, in this situation, you know, there was a um, some sort of stunt that occurred. And how did you see that? What did you see? He can gain that information and that knowledge without him having to make those mistakes and firsthand see those things happen where he's maybe not on the uh, positive side of those type of things. So that way, when Broderick Jones does enter the game. Even though he doesn't have, you know, on field and stadium experience, he has a lot of experience on the back end and could develop and grow to the point where he does come in his rookie mistakes that he would have made uh, perhaps aren't this big. You know, it's, it's a bigger, better chance for this to move forward and be successful this season, in my opinion. So I think when we see this matchup coming up this Sunday between Dan Moore. And Nick Bosa, it's going to be one to watch, but I think that Dan Moore might end up getting the edge based on the fact that, like I said, he had to really prove himself to keep that job, which he's done. And Bosa hasn't been in uh, game-like situations. I think he's only going to get two practices under his belt before the game. I'm going to go ahead and give the edge to Dan Moore. Another storyline that's coming out about him is the return of Javon Hargrave, and he was a guy that the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted a few years ago, played very well. The Steelers tried to retain him, but the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, you know, thought of him. As, you know, his compensation should be more, and the Steelers just couldn't afford him, and he ended up signing elsewhere. But it wasn't to the Steelers not wanting to have him. Obviously, it was more about the fact that the Steelers just couldn't pay what the Eagles were paying for him. This past offseason in free agency, he ends up going to the 49ers for another large sum of money. Good for him. You know, he's uh, done very well for himself, but he'll be returning. This is a bit of a revenge game for him. There's a couple of other Steelers that will be returning as well. You have Ray Ray McLeod, who's, it's a possibility. I, I believe he's on the injury report. We'll talk about him a little bit later when we get to that segment. But you also have Matthew Wright, who's a kicker that has kicked in the, in Acreshore before. The 49ers are going through some kicker issues as well, and so it might be Matthew Wright kicking in this stadium that he might be familiar with. Could be an advantage for the 49ers in that type of situation, as I believe there is a possibility for rain in this first game. Back to Javon Hargrave. You know, I, I like Javon Hargrave. You know, I liked him when he was a Steeler. I wanted him to stay. I, I thought there was a possibility that he could come back this year. It didn't happen. He's going up against a different Steelers offensive line than he's used to. I don't know where exactly they're going to line him up, if maybe they'll move him from one side or the other, but he's going to have to deal with either Isaac Teumalu or James Daniels Two, you know, interior guards that are in my opinion, probably top five, top, top 10 in the league. I think that Javon Hargrave is just going to have his hands full in this game. I like what the Steelers have done with their offensive line. I think this offensive line might end up being a, a strength for this team. You know, the center position is a little bit of a question mark. I was watching some film and Mason Cole on a couple of plays just wasn't getting back fast enough. You, you'll see, for instance. um Isaac C. O'Malley when when the ball is snapped, is backpedaling. He does it fluidly. He does it straight back. He doesn't go sideways, things like that. And it, he puts himself in a better position, you know, and I, I was watching Mason Cole and there was a uh, play in specifically against the uh, little bills where it ended up being a, a complete pass down the field. It ended up being a good play, you know, for and because of Kenny Pickett, but what ended up happening was uh, Mason Cole's guy, number 92, just kind of like went to his gap. And instead of Mason Cole going back and getting in the right position, he kind of slid. He allowed that guy to get a better position and he ended up beating Mason Cole. Fortunately, he had James Daniels there kind of assisting him. And the defensive player actually tripped over James Daniels' foot and, and fell down and allowed Kenny Pickett to throw the ball. I, I've seen that before, and I've seen that you know in his game before. And I'm hoping that it cleans up. It, it might get better throughout the season. This is the first time that he's next to a guy like Isaac Seomalu, and maybe perhaps. Isaac C. can teach him a few things as we go. I think he's definitely enough but what we had in the previous, such as J.C. Hassenhauer and everybody knows, uh, Kendrick Green, Omar Khan. Can't believe he got anything for that guy, but he did. Mm-hmm. But I digress. One of the things we also need to look at when we look at this matchup between the 49ers and the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steelers have typically started off pretty good. You know, in the last couple of years, the season openers, whether it was Cincinnati or it was the uh, Buffalo Bills, the Steelers have managed to make a big team that is expected to go far in the playoffs. You know, they ended up beating those teams. This is another team that is expected to go far into the playoffs. I think that the Steelers are going to have a great opportunity to to pull off the upset in this game. For the 49ers, it seems to be opposite. For the last couple of years, they have started off pretty slow, including last year, losing to the Bears. I know that some will say that, hey, Trey Land, was the starting quarterback at that time for the 49ers and you know he just wasn't the guy right maybe I I get that I understand that we'll see if Trey Lance develops later in his career Uh, he really hasn't played much football he hasn't played much football even going back into his college years but you know, it is what it is. But the 49ers usually typically start slow. They have a defensive uh, edge rusher in Nick Bosa who's, you know, returning to the team. Who, Like I said earlier, he was holding out. You know, a lot of folks will look at the fact that T.J. Watt in his Defensive Player of the Year campaign, when he ended up having 22 and a half sacks and tying the uh, sack record, that that was off of a year where he too was holding out due to contract and didn't sign until the uh, 11th hour, right? But in that season, you had T.J. Watt doing a hold-in where he wasn't necessarily not participating or practicing. He just wasn't doing any of the contact stuff, you know, the hitting stuff. He ended up having a monster year. However, you guys remember he ended up missing quite a few games that year due to injury. And it was like, you no know, growing here. I think it was like a hamstring at one point, Some, you know, stuff like that. It wasn't anything too serious. A lot of soft tissue type of things. And that's usually what happens or what you expect when somebody has no ramp up period, no buildup to getting hit and hitting people on a constant basis. Once they go from like no hidden to a full on 60 minute game, that can lead to some injuries at times. And another thing, Brock Purdy, he's a guy that 49ers and 49er fans being hyped up as being like the neck coming of Tom Brady or something, right? However, you know, he had a major surgery on his elbow. Now, I know that he's young and, and he's probably, you know, able to heal right back up. And I think he's going to be Okay. I think he is. His injury was prolonged by like two weeks and it was due to inflammation. And what ended up happening was he had to wait two weeks and there was a concern that he may not be ready for the start of the season. And up until this week, he had been on a uh, pitch count, so to speak, you know, in practice, in preseason, things like that. And so I'm not seeing the 49ers going out there in this game, trying to line up the Steelers and throw it 40 yards down the field, 25 or 30 times a game or 30 times for the game. Right. Uh, He's going to be on the pitch count. And unless the game just kind of gets to a point where they need to air it out, you know, the Steelers just jump ahead, which is possible. You know, I I see this team utilizing the short pass game, which is kind of their game anyways, right? You know, the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers played this team, you know, some of the players are different. Obviously, Garoppolo isn't there. Uh, The running backs have changed. Uh, Debo Samuels, George Kittle remain. You know, at the time, they had Marquise Goodwin playing as a receiver as well. So they had a pretty talented offense and the offense was still ran under Kyle Shanahan. It was Very similarly, they kept everything up front. However, in that game, you know, the Steelers kind of dominated that game defensively. If they had an offense, uh, that game would have been a much different story. Mason Rudolph was in his, I think it was like his first start as a professional. And I, I think the stage was just a little bit too big for him. And, and it showed he was just kind of dinking and dunking. The longest pass that he had that game was a short pass over the middle where Juju Smith-Schuster took it for the distance. And so it, it, offensively, it was horrible. But the Steelers defensively had five turnovers. You know, they had three fumbles, exceptions. And they had another forced fumble, but they didn't recover it. This is a game where uh, Minka Fitzpatrick was a stealer for the first time after being traded from uh, the Miami Dolphins. They played amazing, you know, with that little little time knowing each other, no chemistry. The difference is you had Coach Tomlin, who is a football junkie, right? Film junkie, the whole nine yards. I think that they understand and know what it is that the 49ers are, are wanting to do. You know, I think that you have a team that is uses a lot of direction to hide what they're trying to do. But the actual play, once it happens, Patrick Peterson said it best. They know what they're going to do. There's some tails there. And he felt confident that he was going to get an interception. Uh, Brock Purdy came back at him and said, we'll see. And, and we will. I, I do think that, that Patrick P is going to get a pick. I think the Steelers are going to get a couple in this game. but I digress. In this game, I, I think it's going to be played very similar. I mean, that's what the Niners want to do. That's how they play, you know, misdirection getting the ball out quick, those type of things. You know, I think that if the Steelers can cause some havoc and maybe, you know, a little bit of pressure there, uh, you know, I think they're going to end up, as I said, but because I think that their offense is similar. It's a scheme that they run, right? I think the Steelers are prepared for this game. They've had quite time to prepare for this game. And I think the defense is going to show up, end up winning majority of the battles. I do think that, you know, Christian McCaffrey and uh, Devo Samuel and, and just their offense that they have in general is it, high powered. It really is. I mean, they got talent across the board. I just think that you have a quarterback who, although he made it to the NFC champ last year and was very successful in doing so, he did have a major surgery. And so we'll see how he does during a full game and how that arm holds up in the fourth quarter. You know, those are the things that I want to know. And if it doesn't, I think those type of things can also lead to some turnovers and opportune moments. So I'm really thinking that this team is going to have their opportunities for this game to create a lot of turnovers. And we're going to take a quick break real, real fast uh, for a word from our sponsors. When we get back, I'll talk about the offense of the Pittsburgh Steelers, what I expect for them to do, how I expect for them to play, and I'll also give you guys my prediction for the game. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these. Hey, welcome back to State of the Steelers and Steel Current Network. Uh, Glad you. Made it through the other side. It's glad to see you guys. I want to remind you guys about our website, stillcurrentnetwork.com, where can, it's a one stop shop for all Pittsburgh Steelers news and coverage. Go check it out. You'll end up, you won't miss any breaking news or any transactions that may occur throughout the season, any trades. So go check out stillcurrentnetwork.com. Make sure there are a list of websites to go look at so you are always informed. Also, don't forget to check out our audio only podcasts that are out there. You know, there's the uh, Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, you have Bad Language with Brian Anthony Davis, That Geek with Dave Scofield field. So much more. Also on the YouTube side, don't forget that you have me on The Hangover on Steel Curtain Network YouTube channel Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern every Monday live. Don't want to miss this. So make sure you go like and subscribe. there. So Let's continue this preview of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the 49ers. Now, how do I think that the Steelers are going to perform offensively? You know, I talked about the offensive line earlier in this podcast, and I thought that they were going to play well. I thought that they had an opportunity to go into this game and be able to handle this 49ers front, which is very good. You know, Javon Hardgrave is no slouch. Nick Bose is no slouch coming off of uh, you know, not playing or participating in training camp or preseason. These guys are no slouches. So the Steelers are gonna have their hands full, but I think that they have the experience and the leadership in the offensive line, you know, to handle the pressure there. I expect expect a more evenly uh, division of work between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren with a slight edge, probably Najee. I think he's going to get some around 55 to 60 percent of the snaps. I do see uh, Jalen Warren playing quite a bit more. I think he's deserved it. He's a change of pace kind of guy. He's a guy that blocks well in pass protection. He's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a well-rounded back, you know, not, not to say that Najee isn't but to have Jalen Warren, you know, backing up Anaji Harris or being able to use those two in tandem, you know, having your strong hitter in one side and then your quick hitter coming from the other side. I like it. I think that's a good game plan for this team. And it will prolong both of these players deep into the season. Well, it's a 17 week season. You know, these need to at times take a rest, you know, I mean, they can't be the bell cow player. I mean, look at what happened to Le'Veon Bell every year. He was injured. Majority of the time he hurt the last part of the season because he was used so often, in my opinion. Now, the Steelers would have utilized, you know, Williams back then a little bit better and maybe have had that one-two punch versus, you know, just waiting for Le'Veon Bell to get injured before you end up putting him in. Now, I think D'Angelo Williams did great. He came in, he filled it in. He was up there in age already by the time, you know, that season occurred when Le'Veon Bell was with a uh, knee injury for a majority of the season. You know, I, I thought that DeAngelo Williams played great, but I thought that the, if they played them both at the same time or, you know, kind of divided the weight a little bit, maybe perhaps, you know, I'm not going to say that Le'Veon Bell wouldn't have gotten hurt because he wasn't injured, like in a situation where there was in no contact, where his knee gave out or things like that. He was tackled uh, very awkwardly by, by Burfick. So we all know what we think, we all know who and what we think about that guy, right? I think that in this situation, I think the Steelers have learned from that. I think last year we saw a part of it, you know, I think it had a lot to do with also Najee being injured last year, but it gave an opportunity to Jalen Warren to go in and show that you know, having a multiple back set and utilizing both players more evenly, maybe not exactly evenly, uh, would benefit both players and the team collectively. I'm expecting a clean game from the Spurs team. I don't want to see any turnovers. You know, Najee Harris has been pretty consistent with holding the ball and not putting it on the ground. Uh, Jalen Warren, I think he had a couple of situations where he's put it on the ground, but he worked on it and it was something that wasn't seen again. So I have confidence in both of those men and not fumbling the ball. Kenny Pickett look, looked amazing in preseason. I know know I know preseason you can't look at that and say hey you know that's what it is or what it was it isn't right because they're going up against defenses that aren't necessarily game planning for their offense you know not showing too much because they don't want to put too much stuff on film right you know it's going to Kenny Pickett's going to play a defense that has had time to prepare against him that have looked for his weaknesses and his strengths and, and tendencies and have a game plan against them and we'll see if it translates from preseason into the regular season I for one think that it 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 will. I think that, you know, Kenny Pickett did everything he was supposed to do. The placement of the ball as well is, is something that doesn't change because it's preseason, right? It's not like quarterbacks are placing the ball in bad situations just because it's preseason and they don't want things on tape that show that they're throwing dimes, right? You know, that, that doesn't make sense. It's going to be the schemes and tendencies and directions and what kind of plays that they are going to be probably not running throughout the regular season. Not too often. I would not think, maybe not in that manner. I think there'd be a lot more emotion and disguise as to what the Steelers offense was doing. But I think we'll see a lot of the same concepts. So I had to reward that. But when Kenny Pickett was throwing the ball, like I said, he was just placing the ball in the bucket on the back shoulder of, of Pat Friermuth on his touchdown throughout, you know, the uh, last game of preseason. I thought he played well. I thought he The one thing that I thought he played better at, or the one improvement that I saw that I think led to a lot of the improvement for him was his footwork. You know, his feet were calm. He looked calm. He looked confident in the pocket. You know, could that be because he's got more confidence in his offensive line? Maybe. Could it be that he has more confidence? I think so. And could it be that you know he has more confidence in moving into you know in and around the pocket and and knowing where the pressure is coming from and stuff like all of that, all of the above. I think that it's a combination of everything. I think that you know him growing into the second year, having the full off season, having full training camp as the starter. You know him having that communication with Matt Canada so that they can figure out likes, dislikes for each other, and put a game plan that's going to be successful. By all accounts, it seems like this team has really done a 180 when it comes to you know the play calls and. Predictability and things like that. I do expect to see the Steelers probably, you know, maybe do a run play or a pass action play. On the first play, the reason being is the entire preseason, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers starting offense passed the ball significantly more than they ran it. And I don't know if that was, you know, on purpose and they're going to come out trying to dominate on the run if we'll see something similar. And I think that the opposing team is going to look at the tendency of what the Steelers had done in real stadium games. And last season, their identity was running the ball. So that's why I think that we might get a play action pass. Reason being is was a good passing the ball. It looked good doing play action. And can you look good in those plays and positions? And because of that success in the running game last year, I think that the defenses are going to bite on, so maybe that'll be the first play. Who knows? But I do expect a clean game, meaning I don't, I don't expect any turnovers, and that includes interceptions from Kenny Pickett as well. You know, he has thrown very well, and he has a perfect rating through preseason. I don't anticipate it being perfect in this game. I'm not anticipating him, you know, having a touchdown on every drive. But I do think that they're going to be successful, and I think more importantly as well is I think that the Steelers' offense is going to possess the ball. You know, last year and the year before, and even the year before that. The Steelers defense, but they were hindered by an offense that just couldn't stay on the field. Right. Injuries, fatigue and poor play after that. Had the Steelers had a competent offense play four quarters and not just either in the fourth or not at all and leave the, you know, make the defense play 80 plus snaps. That's not a formula for success. That's not a formula for keeping your defense fresh and healthy. And the Steelers didn't. And I think that was detrimental to those teams and why the Steelers didn't go far in those teams. But I think not going to be the case this year. I think the Steelers are going to be able to possess the ball and limit those opposing offensive plays, in my opinion. Another important factor in this game, though, is the injury. Right. How healthy are these teams so far? And at the time of this recording, the Pittsburgh Steelers are relatively healthy. You know, yesterday, Cam Hayward didn't practice because it was not injury related to stomach DNP. Larry, Larry Ogunjobi was limited with a foot. Now, that's kind of concerning. You know, on the preview, the flagship podcast for Steel Current Network, you know, Jeff Harbin, great point. Is this going to be another year where we're seeing Larry Ogunjobi constantly on On the injury report, I would hope not. You know, the Steelers did give him a bag and we're expecting him to to be there. And Mike Tomlin has said, you know, we haven't seen the best of him. And that's because he's been injured. I kind of want to see the best of him. Hopefully he's uh, this doesn't become a constant thing uh, this season and ends up being something that fixes itself or itself out relatively soon. You know, those two guys were on the uh, on the participation injury report also Wednesday uh, for the same thing. But on that day, Cam Hayward was limited and just not injury related. But for the 49ers, oh, is it a different story? So for 49ers on Thursday, you had linebacker Brian Burks limited with a knee. Safety to Sean Gibson uh, limited with a back. Telenoa Hufanga. Did not participate with a knee. Now this guy had like a cyst and his in his knee and his knee was like super swollen. I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna be uh, actually able to go for this game. George Kittle is limited with a growing. Now that's interesting because George kind of came out with some choice words for T J. Watt, basically challenging him to not run around him, to run through him. It's an interesting tactic. We'll see how it works, especially now that he, there's a good chance that he may not be playing. Now this game big for us, the fans. But when you look at the you know the scope of this of this game relative to the rest of the season, yes, every game. Counts, but this is a a game out of conference that doesn't hold as much weight. So for both teams, I don't think you would be putting out players that you expect ours play a major contribution to your team for the season. If there's if there there's a chance for a bigger injury or a longer recovery time at this point against a team that's not in your conference, doesn't make sense that direction. So I I end up thinking that George Kittle, if he does play, is on a, a on a very limited snap count. They're running back Jordan Mason had a foot and he's limited. Ray Ray McLeod with a wrist was limited. Jake Moody, there's their kicker. And this is why a lot of folks are thinking that Matthew Wright's going to be playing in this game or, or kicking for the 49ers. He has a right quadricep. That, you know, having an injury to your kicking leg, not good when you're a kicker. Ask Boswell. I mean, the times that he has suffered and his his play has been poor were the times where he, uh, you know, was injured. He had a growing corner. cornerback. Shavarius Ward had a heel. He didn't participate. And Nick Bosa was limited yesterday. Not injury related. He's just getting back into the swing of things. And Brock Purdy was on the list too for an elbow, um, but he was a full participant. This is his first week being a full participant uh, in every, every day uh, work from my understanding. The Steelers are going into this game relatively healthy in my opinion, but you know, yes, on the back end, it's not so much for the 49ers. You know, The 49ers are kind of limping into week one, which is typically when you're your most health, most healthiest. So, it's, uh, Could this end up being a concern Long term for the 49ers, once they get healthy, I think they're going to be a strong team. And in a week conference, the NFC is not as strong as the AFC right now. So they'll have time to get it right and get healthy. So with all that said, and how you probably can tell from the title, I think the Steelers are going to upset the 49ers this weekend. You know, my prediction for the score, Pittsburgh Steelers 27, San Francisco 49ers 17. You know, I think this is a, this is a game that the Pittsburgh Steelers end up dominating and look very good in this game and are ready for week two, which is a game I'll be at. I'll be at at the uh, Monday night game against the Cleveland Browns. I'm looking forward to it. If you guys are going to be out at that game, hit me up on Twitter. My Twitter handle next handle, is State of Steelers. I just want to make sure that everybody gets it. There's no V in that one. Uh, the characters that are allowed before Twitter was one character short. So it, w- it would have been the Steelers. And so <laughs> it didn't make sense to do it. Uh, but check if you're art, hit me up on Twitter, um, like to meet some people. It'd be great. And if not, I'll be out there at the game and join it in section 122 out in the end zone. But yeah, 27, 17, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win in dominant form, I think. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be walking some words that they may have had for off coordinator Matt Canada this season. Uh, and, and that's a good thing to do. That's a good thing to do. That's what you want, because if, if you are, if you were a person that thought that Matt Canada needed to go and you're having to walk back those words, that's a good thing. That means that the Steelers are going in the right direction and are looking to make a playoff run. I'm excited about this season. Week one is upon us. First game of real football for the Steelers. I'll be watching it and and rooting hard for my team. I know you guys will as well. But that's all I got for you guys today. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts that are out there in our YouTube channel. I appreciate everybody. Go Steelers. I'll see you guys on Monday at The Hangover.